What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Marrow Show by Marrow Ministries. I'm Alexander Wade. I'm here with Nick Kennecott and Luke Walker. And today's topic is the Jesus Juke. All right. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, uh, folks who have the, the knack, sometimes timely, sometimes untimely, of spiritualizing everything. All right. <laughs> so, uh, but man, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Are there times and places uh, where it's appropriate uh, to to spiritualize not just the world, uh, but the scriptures? And uh, and then we'll even get into, man, how does that impact the people around us? You know, does it suck to be around that person? I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk about that. So, <laughs> but but yeah, let's get into it, man. So uh, so this spiritualization uh, the or or the Jesus juke as we call it. is Nick, if I'm if I'm correct, this is something you're known widely for. <laughs> right, yes. Because <laughs> I think it was Brian who said, 100% chance, no matter what happens, Nick Kennecott is going to turn everything into a Jesus juke. That's right, yeah. That's what you said earlier. That's exactly right. what he said, so yeah. So break that down for us, man. <laughs> yeah, well, all of life is spiritual. All of life is worship, right? Mm-hmm. So it's got to be the case. No, I think, uh, I think the whole idea behind it is really not acknowledging the fact that all of creation is the Lord's and all that is therein belongs to him. It's created by him, sovereignly ruled over by him. And, uh, and sometimes we can just enjoy what God has given us without having to turn it into a spiritual uh, lesson or statement uh, because in and of itself, it's serving a purpose to point us to uh, the the creator and to to operate in our hearts in such a way that we're all the more thankful for how God has blessed us with things we don't deserve, things we don't need, but we can enjoy to his glory. And to uh, to try and think that because, I, you know, I'm I'm eating a meal and I need to talk about this in some kind of spiritual way instead of just saying, thank God for all these different flavors and colors on my plate. It's a wonderful thing. And I can just leave it at that and enjoy it as opposed to having to, to make it into something that it's really not intended to be. So that can be a little bit annoying sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And because the Lord has made everything, it doesn't need that. Right. It's spiritual already in the sense of it comes from God and he gives us his blessing to enjoy those things as such. Mm. You know, so when we do that right, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to God's glory. Paul didn't mean you have to get spiritual lessons out of everything you're doing. Rather, it's a simple thing, being thankful to the Lord and enjoying those good gifts. Mm. That's what God asks of us. That's what he requires of us. Now, everybody's different. Some people's minds t work that way, just naturally. A lot of the Puritans were like that. Mm -hmm. John Bunyan was like that. You know, it was like he would see spiritual realities and everything. I don't think he was faking the funk. You know, no. I think he was just being himself, and that's how he thought about it. If that's what somebody's like, that's perfectly okay, at least for themselves. <laughs> you might get in trouble if you're exerting that all the time, which is sort of a different issue. Well, I think too, there's a there's a time and a place. If I'm if I'm trying to help someone to see, like especially my kids, if I'm trying to help them to see a spiritual reality in the world around us, then uh, certainly I want to point to those things. Um, 
but I think I still want to do so with uh, with a a nuanced understanding of that to say this is good because God has created it because God reveals to us his his love of diversity and beauty or whatever the case is but to enjoy that thing for the sake of uh, of being thankful and understanding that this is a gift from God as opposed to I need to turn this into a gift from God because it's not already. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the the issue is versus like what you're saying, Luke, about the Puritans or a Bunyan type. Um, they're looking at the gift as a gift from God and they're highlighting the reality of that mm-hmm. versus making something spiritual that's not inherently spiritual. Mm-hmm. You mentioned... Um, you know, your kids and how you relate to them as, as an example. Um, uh, w- what's a good way to even think about that in the context of Christian parenting? Um, how, do, how do we teach our kids um, uh, how to, uh, one, acknowledge God, right? Yeah, he's the God of all of our lives, um, even all of the good things we enjoy and receive. Like, he's the one who gives us these things. Um, but, uh, but, but can it how do we do that without being too overbearing, even to our kids, to where when they grow up, they're like, man, dad was actually like really annoying. <laughs> he was teaching me how to play the piano. And then he started talking about how the white keys uh, were separated from the black keys, but then the veil was torn and like <laughs> reconciliation <laughs> happened and beautiful music happens when they all come together man. in Christ, right? And then that's how I learned how to play the piano. It was a bit much, right? So <laughs> I came to you quick. It kind of makes me wonder if that's something you've already discussed with your well, kids. Well, I was thinking about right now. My kids are taking piano lessons, and I was thinking, man, that might be a good way He's to spiritualize. A spiritualizer. Yeah. yeah, I may or may not be a closet spiritualizer, but <laughs> uh, but you know, if you think about it, man. Like everything from from playing golf or or learning music or watching a Marvel movie, right? Um, it can be just an enjoyable time for bonding, yeah. or it can get turned into. Sure. Something like that. So, so talk about that in parenting. How did how, how much is too much? Well, I, I think just to even use your example of playing the piano, there's a, a conversation I've had with my kids. So we all play in our, our home and to say something along the line, instead of that, instead of forcing something onto the activity that's not actually there, to focus on what is there and, and to have a conversation about... Um, the beauty of music and God has created this for us to enjoy. He didn't have to give us this. Mm-hmm. Music's a gift from God. Uh, melody and harmony and dissonance and resolution and all of these things that appear in music. This is a wonderful, beautiful thing that God has created for us to enjoy and for us to utilize um, to worship Him. Mm-hmm. And by the way, to worship Him not just in singing lyrics from a hymn in church, which is part of it, but worship him in simply um, delighting in something that is objectively beautiful, mm-hmm. that we're hearing, or that we're playing or performing. Um, and so keeping it in that realm as opposed to sort of something more forced, mm-hmm. you know, that you, yeah. you know, I don't even, there's... I'm sure you can think of a, a hundred ways to to over spiritualize something like that uh, to the point that it's just it really loses you you lose the uh, the narrative because now you're you're trying to uh, impose something on what God has already given as a beautiful thing in and of itself. Yeah. My uh, my oldest daughter Leah is also in piano right now, and I'm mainly focused on her practicing 
her lessons and listening to her teachers. So that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but forcing, as you mentioned, I think is the issue there. We don't want to communicate to our kids that in order to be a, a really true Christian, you have to do this with everything. That a Christian can't simply enjoy truth, beauty, and goodness for what it is. Mm -hmm. and, and acknowledge that it comes from God, yes. But you have to find a hidden meaning in it, mm -hmm. right? Now, I think there are plenty of meanings to find. I believe that the natural world is full of illustrations of spiritual truth. Jesus did that often. But he sure. did it in ways that would help enhance. So I think that our experiences with children, if they're having trouble understanding a spiritual truth, and then we bring in an example, that's totally different. Because they're already trying to f understand this thing. They're, their mind's already there. So we bring something in to illustrate that they already understand. Cool. That's way different than they're just thinking about their piano lesson. <laughs> All right. And now I'm adding an extra burden. Right. That they have to somehow exposit this thing spiritually. Yeah. It would make life insufferable. Sure. Yeah. But I, I think on top of that, we can look at something like, uh, I talk to my kids about their schoolwork all the time. And uh, we talk about doing, doing your best, using your mind that God has given you, uh, thinking hard, working hard, not slacking off, not being lazy. This is your job. This is what you are required to do. And, and uh, we often say in our house that you're, you want to think about this uh, scripturally so that you're doing what you're doing, not onto man, but onto the Lord. And we, do, we want to do that with everything in life. So why do I have to do this homework? Well, because it's been assigned to you to help you learn. You've been given a gift from God to be educated and to, to think and to reason and to put these ideas together to make coherent thoughts. And that's a good and beautiful thing. It's an opportunity you have that many people don't have. So don't set it aside and be lazy about it, but thank God for it and do the best you can, even if that's not 100% all the time mm -hmm. that you get on your, your grades or whatever else. That's not the aim. The aim is to honor God and at the end of it to be able to say, I did my very best and God's glorified in that. I don't have to add another spiritual element to that mm -hmm. because that is the goal, that everything I'm doing, I'm doing to his glory, I'm doing onto him and not onto man. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is a spiritual reality that should uh, be pervasive in all of life. Mm -hmm. it, it, can, it can become a legalism where it's like now you can't just live an ordinary, regular, hearty, down-to-earth life, which is actually what God calls us to, to live that very simple life. Now, yeah. We, he'll send challenges our way. We may have to stand up for the faith in very difficult ways, but he's going to send that to us. Mm -hmm. As far as our burdens, you know, we just seek to honor him in what we do, be responsible, right? Mm -hmm. When you're an adult, like you're saying, it's the same thing. You do your best at what you do, and you leave the results to God, and that's how you live a good life unto him. So we want to be really careful about adding those burdens. Also, if someone's good at this, there's been people that are pretty good at this, those people, I think, need to be careful because they, they could even make other Christians feel inadequate because mm -hmm. they might not think that way. Does that make them lesser? Well, certainly not. You know, they're mm -hmm. equal in the kingdom. So I think you got to be really tactful about when you bust those things out. And, you know, usually it's an occasional thing. Yeah. 
right? Maybe with your spouse, you're more free to share what you're thinking, and you know, mm -hmm. our wives love to hear what we're thinking. Oh, of course. Of course. So it's like, okay, I'll talk about that. That's all she wants to do is listen to me talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was guessing that. Random spiritualized things. <laughs> yeah. It's my wife's greatest joy. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, man. But have you noticed, though, man, some forms of spiritualizing are just weirder than others. Let's get like, some examples. You know, some of them, some, some Jesus jukes are like, oh, man, that was cute. So I was like, oh, that was funny. And then someone's like, yo, that's really weird. Like, for example, like the spiritualization of numbers is really weird to me. Yeah. Like when you get somebody, it's just to be a regular thing, man. You like, you know, uh, the radio, if anybody listened to the radio anymore. But, you know, you see this, oh, man, look at that. Man, 97.7. That's... That's seven. Psalm ninety-seven, two, seven. Two, two, you know what I mean? And it just turns into the spirit, and then seven, you know, number of completion. Man, well, I got that's a, what I do. Every you got time, a, I, every time I go to Target, plate. when I do my drive up at Target, I go to spot number seven. Yeah, you, even if all the spots are empty up to number one, because it's still completion. You know, your order is going to be correct. It's going to be. And complete. if seven's if seven is taken, I'll do one or three. <laughs> Those are my second options. I uh, I saw a whole thread on Facebook one time, and people were on there saying that if they're ever at a store or a restaurant and their bill's six dollars and 66 cents that they'll go grab something else to buy yeah, nice. to, mm -hmm. to change the number because they can't have something that's six 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 they're gonna love the, yeah. that the manuscript tradition may be actually six one six <laughs> right right <laughs> oh no i live in apartment six one six i gotta move i have uh, we have a mutual friend when he went to seminary he went to the post office at the seminary and said, I need a box. And they said, well, we don't have any boxes. And the guy said, well, that's not true. We have one box, but nobody wants it. And it's, it's box number 666. And our friend said, I absolutely want that box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was very man. superstitious. Yeah. yeah. Reminds me of the old uh, Mitch Hedberg, you know, stand-up comedian, if you guys, you know, follow that listenership. Uh, but, you know, he was talking about buildings that don't have uh, the 13th floor as an option right. on the elevator. He's yeah. like, come on, y'all. You on the 14th floor, you know what floor you're really on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He said the, the letter B should be uh, considered bad luck because it's just the number 13 scrunched together. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, the, uh, the, I think the, the worst form of this is when it comes out in, uh, in preaching where mm -hmm. a guy's like trying too hard to take some kind of cultural example and spiritualize it. Mm -hmm. It's like the, uh, you know, if we're doing our, uh, we're going to do a 13 week series on superheroes of the faith. And then it's 13 weeks. Yeah. 13. Oh, well, you said 13. So, <laughs> and it's, uh, got to do 12 or 14, man. you know, uh, Superman comes from another land, but when he comes, if you have kryptonite, you can keep him away. But you know who cannot be repelled by a kryptonite is the Lord <laughs> Jesus. You know, all these silly things where it's like we've got to try and draw these comparisons that this is the true superhero we need or whatever. And, and this kind of stuff goes on all the time. And it's just, it's really boring and lazy in my opinion. Um, and, and really, it kind of communicates something of a lack of trust in the power and sufficiency of the Word of God yeah, in and yeah. of itself. And it's very basic stuff. Who doesn't see that? Right. 
And it can be helpful to give our children those categories, like how how do you discern if this is with entertainment that this is something you should be watching or listening to? We well, give them those structures. Of sure. Truth. Does it contain truth? Does it contain beauty? Does it contain goodness? Then that gives you a metric. Is there a redemptive story? But that's so obvious and basic. Mm -hmm. and, you know, everyone understands that. You can't get a sermon out of that. Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be able to. You know, <laughs> many do though. I'll give you an extreme example though, y'all. So I had a, uh, one of my uncles, he passed away uh, some years ago, but uh, he was like the brainiac of the family. And he took, he took this, this numbers thing real far, man. He, he, he literally like assigned a numerical value to each letter in the Bible. So like, oh, yeah, I've a, seen you this. know, alpha would be one, beta, yeah. two, gamma would be three, right? And so, and he like took the whole New Testament and he like word by word through the New Testament and added numerical values to words and phrases in the New Testament. And then he started like making like almost like an Excel spreadsheet. Like these words in the New Testament equal like this number or that, or these phrases. And he had had books and books and spreadsheets and spreadsheets and stuff. Like, and he would like take your name. Wow. And be like, your name, Nick, Nicholas Kennecott. And he, it'll have like a numerical value. And then he'd take it and he'd go, these are all the words or phrases in the Bible that have the same numerical value as your name. And then like create this like story like around that and like what you have to do with these things that share numerical values. Wow. All that Talk stuff. about bro. a rhema word. Bro, I grew I grew up in that stuff, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And in the end, what what's gained by that? Well, I'm really good at spiritualizing things. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever you know, the guys who like even they'll take a text of scripture and over spiritualize that? So you can look at something like the instructions about the building of the tabernacle, for example, mm. and everything is supposed to have some kind of spiritual reality to it. The ten pegs are representative of something. Yeah. The, uh, the nails. Certainly. The nails and the cloth. Drove and our the, Lord to the cross. And right. Nailed down that tabernacle and brought the presence of God to live among us. As you can tell, I'm that guy. Yeah. In my preaching, I'm constantly having to hold that sort of thing back. It's always <laughs> suggesting itself to me. And I've learned over the years, you just got to keep a lot of that stuff to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> See, me, I'm not spiritualizing that stuff. When I'm looking at the building of the temple, I have to remind people that they went and got the most skilled, the most skilled people to build it. So that's where I go with it. It's like, yo, you're, for the you're not good at this, so we're not going to ask you to do it. Yeah. No matter how much you want to do it. That's right. <laughs> they didn't say go get the most willing masons. They said go get the most skilled ones. Yeah. Like, yo, like, yeah, we're not the free masons. Well, you know, you don't want the slave masons. You know, the alternative, you got to get the free masons. There you go. There you go. That so, but yeah, man. So, but but have y'all ever like? found yourself. I shared a big Jesus juke for me, a big spiritualization, right? I got my uncle and he's got numbers and phrases and all this stuff. But, but have you ever found yourself like ca totally caught off guard uh, by in a situation where like, yo, like somebody just just juked me real hard with this one, man. Like you got anything that come to mind? Guys? No, because I was already thinking it probably. Well, you beat him <laughs> to it. Possibly. <laughs> huh. My mind is very fertile <laughs> along those lines. Too imaginative, perhaps. Yeah. Well, how do you how do you uh, try to parse it out? Obviously, it sounds like there's a conflict somewhat in you somewhere because not a conflict. You, it, I believe those yeah. things can be legitimate. The church fathers did a lot of that stuff. They did. I mean, I have a doctrine of scripture that believes there's there, there's some of those things are legitimate. Sure. 
But that doesn't mean everyone is going to know how to apply and do them. I've got to the point in my preaching where I leave those things away. If believers in the congregation see those things on their own and think along those lines, that's cool. Mm. But I'm trying to bring the meal right down, boom, still nourishing to everybody. But I don't, I don't want to belabor those things because maybe they're not. Maybe at best they're just examples. When the Puritans did this all the time, it's like, were they saying it means that, or were they saying it's just a good example of that? Mm -hmm. I think there's, you know, that may be a little gray area there. So, but I, I think that, I think that it can be legitimate things there, but not everyone's going to see that. Yeah. And you may get laughed off the stage, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a, uh, had a conversation once, uh, one of our security guards at our school in Nigeria, I was just talking to him about his life, and trying to get a feel for things and I said something and he sort of laughed about it and we were just messing around and I said uh so what are you, you trying to fight me and he looks at me and he says uh you you can't you can't scare me no matter what you do it's not going to scare me and he pulled his shirt up and showed me his back and he's got all these lash marks on his back and he says like our Lord, I have been beaten by others. Yo. And so no man is going to scare me or take me out. I'm like, bro, I was just joking with you. <laughs> like, this got serious quick. <laughs> he took his clothes off, yeah? Just to, oh, you know, show me. So he's a great security guard. Though. Oh, man, he's awesome. He's awesome. I love that guy. But, uh, you know, I, th I think... Um, you can kind of hear this in charismatic circles a lot, <laughs> you know, that there's a demon under every bush and, yeah. and everything that happens, you know, is, is always Satan trying to get into your way. Exactly. I went to someone's album release party one time and one of the people up performing, she got up and she was just going on about, you know, Satan was trying to keep me from coming here. There was an accident on the road and I almost ran out of gas and... And it's like... Because you didn't fill up. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually not Satan. That's actually you yeah. not filling your car with gas. Uh, you know, and that accident that you didn't get in wasn't Satan trying to stop you. It was actually the Lord protecting, protecting you. you. Exactly. <laughs> and there's also the arrogance of... You know, you you think the actual Satan, like of all the people he could be messing with right, right now, it's you. It's you because he's not omnipresent. There's right. only one of them. Like he could be chilling with anybody in the yeah. world right now, with influence and power and right. all that stuff. But keeping you from singing a song at a, a Christian concert where there are 30 people <laughs> present was his primary objective today. Nah, bro. Yeah, yeah. You gotta <laughs> think about that, man. Right. <laughs> good. No, man. But no, I, I I see that a lot too, man. Uh, in terms of uh, like you said, man, uh, man, a demon, a demon behind every bush, and mm -hmm. and and so on. And sometimes um, our lives are uh, a bit more practical uh, than that. Yeah. Um, oftentimes they are. Uh, and and I believe that Satan is real. I believe that demons are real. I believe spiritual warfare is real. Of course. Um, uh, but uh, it's not. It's 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 not a get out of jail free card right. that we get to use. Um, to explain away difficult situations or to um, soft, soften um, sometimes even the reality of the sinful decisions we made, yeah. you know, um, even if we're tempted, you know, I've talked to people about it before, man, you, you can't even, you can't be tempted by something you don't want right. already, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh man, like you can't tempt me with a big salad, but you can tempt me 
with a double cheeseburger, extra bacon. You know what I'm saying? The difference is I already want it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's still even on me at that point. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, but but how do you pick and choose, or or how do you how do you uh, uh, think about this as a teacher of the scriptures? Um, because uh, there are some uh, who don't leave any room for spiritualizing anything. Mm -hmm. in the Bible. Ah, yes. um, and uh, there are some who are the extreme opposite of that. And then you got some who feel comfortable making judgment calls here and there. You got some like, for example, that would say like the Song of Solomon is just simply a book about um, a lot of people that say that, uh, you know, it's just a book about love um, uh, uh, between believing people, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And 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 that's it, yeah. right? So so but how do you pick and choose and say, man, it's actually really appropriate to 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 glean more from that. I mean, I, right. I think it's extremes are bad. The hesitation for me is uh, there's this temptation to want to say, this is the full meaning of the text. This is everything it means. <laughs> oh, right. Put a bow on top of it. And that conflicts with our doctrine that the scriptures are inexhaustible. Mm -hmm in their meaning and application, that it is God's word. If it was just the word of people, then maybe. But even when people write stuff, sometimes it's deeper than you even realize, mm -hmm. and you can see more in it. How much more for the Lord has he put in it? Yeah. So the danger there is to stop short on God's word and be like over it and saying, this is all, you're not gonna go any further on this, we know exactly what this means. There's an arrogance there yeah. that doesn't submit itself to the word of God as something that's other. On the other extreme, you have people that, you know, you can say anything from any text. We know that's false, too. seems like true humility will recognize that there is a main meaning in the passage. There's clearly a main meaning. There may be many applications of that meaning. There may be many illustrations of spiritual truth in this text. That yeah. I'm not going to ignore those things. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, so one thing, Wade, is, is making sure that we are grounding those things in what the scriptures actually say. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think when you get into typology, there are times when guys can go a little too far with it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, when you think of typology, it's generally referring to references in the Old Testament that were related to Christ in some way. And I, I really take what Spurgeon said to heart when he said, I'd rather a man find Christ too much in the Old Testament than not enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, we have to be careful, but we, we also can't ignore the reality. So you think of the ark, for example. The ark is a type of Christ. Mm -hmm. and, and to say, well, no, it's just an ark. Uh, okay, no, you, exactly. you can say that, yeah. You can say that, but yeah, sorry, not the Ark of the Covenant. Although there's typology, <laughs> there's typology there Charles as well. Grace, of course. Yeah, but um, you know, you could say that, and you're not wrong in saying, you know, that if you're just taking it as a plain reading of Scripture, here's the Ark, here's the purpose it served. But there's nothing there that God has in the Word for us to read and understand and discover that's not pointing to a greater reality. And so if you read the story of Noah's Ark and you stop without looking at what is this showing me in the bigger picture about uh, God's redemptive plan for mankind to rescue them uh, in the midst of a fallen, broken world, 
then then you've you've missed it all together. That's the greater point. That's the greater purpose. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Marrow Show. We hope to see you next time. Make sure you tune in next week and go to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.